Hawaii's Kilauea volcano has been spewing fire and molten rock non-stop for the last 30 years. This seemingly endless flow is the most accessible lava in the world and an irresistible draw to a singular breed of lava fanatics. From the people of Hawaii who have learned to live with a destructive, erupting giant beneath their feet. Does this make you nervous down here at all? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> to the outsiders who flock here. Scientists working within arm's reach of newly forming rock. Turn it around. Come around. See where you're going? Starting to get surrounded, Ken. Photographers who brave searing heat to get the perfect shot. My fingers are getting really hot right now. daredevil divers getting up closer than ever before to boiling undersea magma. To get caught in an avalanche of lava underwater could very easily drag you down to depths that would kill you. These people are going to extremes in their search for the living earth. This is Lava Land. Nestling in the middle of the Pacific Ocean is the island chain of Hawaii. Thousands of kilometers from the nearest major landmass, it's one of the most remote places on the planet. The last century has seen the islands transformed into a holiday paradise. Tourists come to savor the extraordinary beaches dotted along the coastline. Pit themselves against the crashing surf. explore the unique jungles. But there remains a violent and primal side to Hawaii, one that cannot be tamed. This savage earth is the big draw for a select group of lava chasers. The chance to study lava at very close quarters brings scientists from all over the world hoping to predict lava movement and future eruptions. This knowledge could help save property and lives. Hawaii is a paradise for volcanologists. It's this huge natural laboratory where you can get remarkably close to flowing lava. Ben Kennedy has spent 10 years studying volcanoes. Today, he's flown nearly 10,000 kilometers from the University of Canterbury, New Zealand, in search of the lava he needs for his new experiments. I've spent the last year kind of locked up in a lab in New Zealand, melting rocks, and in Hawaii, the molten rocks are pre-cooked for you. For people like Ben, easy access to millions of tons of molten rock make Hawaii the perfect place to test groundbreaking ideas about how the planet works. Volcanologists that monitor volcanoes um, see volcanoes inflating and see volcanoes deflating. They need to know what's going on in the magma under the volcano that can explain this. Inflation is often a precursor to an eruption. With millions of people around the world living in the shadow of volcanoes, it's vital that scientists can accurately predict their movements. The plan was to isolate a small blob of magma and then watch it as it cools to see if it deflates. 
Ben has a week on the big island of Hawaii. During this time, he'll put his new theory about just how lava expands and moves to the test. But first, Ben wants to size up this unique volcanic wonderland, an island the size of Wales with two very active volcanoes. The people who live and work here have to share their world with the constantly erupting Kilauea. The pattern of their lives synchronized with the ebb and flow of its lava. I track this volcano uh, like you would your own heartbeat. Besides my daughter, it is my life. Captain Shane Turpin and his dad Bud have lived here for the last 30 years and have turned the boiling rock into a business, taking tourists out to see Mother Nature in action. So it's an exciting day. We just got a call uh, about an hour ago. The lava started entering the ocean, which is always good news for us. It's a case of all hands on deck for Shane and his colleagues. This is boom time for the company. Today, the lava is pouring out on the exposed south side of the island, and it takes Shane and his passengers 40 minutes at full speed to get there. This is one of those things that when you see it, it's a memory that you'll, you'll hold with you the rest of your life. Nearly two million people visit the Big Island each year, but only the most adventurous amongst them will get to see the lava for themselves. Unlike their passengers, just looking at the lava has never been quite enough for the Turpins. They're part of a rare breed of lava divers. Going diving's never been the most safe thing to do, and the chance to see the active lava flows and be a part of that was something I didn't want to miss out on. I wouldn't recommend anyone do this kind of stuff. It's actually uh, very dangerous diving. So the last two times we actually dove in this particular area, there was a high amount of avalanching happening to get caught in an avalanche of lava underwater could very easily drag you down to depths that would kill you. Not that it will stop Shane and his father Bud, who've just developed their own take on safety equipment. Ah, gotta have my lava gloves. Use them one time, I gotta throw them away. Always a fresh holes in them. Growing up around this guy, there's a lot of things you shouldn't have done in life, and this cat's got nine lives. The second you put your head on the water, sounds like bombs are erupting around you. And as you get up next to it, you feel them thumping through your chest. When you get in the water, it's like you're entering a war zone. It's an assault on your senses and ears. As you drop down, the surface is very hot, sometimes boiling uncomfortably at the surface. It creates a lot of sand and debris. The visibility just drops to just a foot or two. Suddenly it's right there in front of you. Throwing caution to the wind, Bud and Shane are preparing to take their thrilling lava dive to a whole new level. The mesmerizing lava flows have been entirely responsible for the creation of Hawaii a process that has taken over 70 million years. The island still boasts five active volcanoes, including the currently erupting Kilauea. It's this activity that has drawn British scientist Dr. Ben Kennedy to Hawaii. The source of all the lava on these islands is a hotspot 
A plume of superheated magma rising from deep within the earth and striking the crust. Here is our propane hotspot, and here is the crust of the earth. The hotspot is magma rising from deep inside the earth. As the crust moves over the hotspot, that magma will burn its way through the crust and erupt as a volcano. Each of the Hawaiian islands are volcanoes. So this is Kauai being formed. And now the crust has moved over the hotspot, and a next one in the chain of Hawaiian islands is forming. Now the crust moves on again, and the hotspot is stationary, and the next Hawaiian island is born. The northernmost islands have moved beyond the hotspot, and their volcanoes are no longer active. But the big island at the southern end of the chain is still in the thick of the action. The big island is just about forming right now. There she goes. The hotspot hasn't finished forming Hawaii. The Earth's crust is still moving, and as it moves across, a new island is forming at the bottom of the ocean. This is Luihi. The crust is melting as magma rises. Here it comes. There's Luihi forming. Loihi, 35 kilometers southeast of the Big Island, is the newest volcano. It's below the surface of the ocean for now, but it's still growing and one day will create a new island. These plates only move at centimeters per year. This may take tens of thousands of years before it reaches the surface. Here we have the chain of Hawaiian Islands. They all form from the crust moving over the same hotspot. Ben needs this fresh lava to experiment with. And luckily, here on Hawaii, lava is practically on tap. However, to stand any chance of finding these molten rocks in amongst miles of old black lava, Ben will need a guide. He's hooked up with a leading authority on just how the Hawaiian lava flows, Professor Ken Hon. Ben wanted to take a look and see if he could shovel out some of the active lava and see if there's a reaction, if there's a change in volume of the lava. Volcanoes inflate and deflate like balloons as the liquid magma moves around in the system of reservoirs below them. But Ben's got a hunch there might be something else that's key to this movement, something that could be observed in even a small sample of molten lava, tiny bubbles of gas. Gas is what drives volcanic eruptions. Without gas, your lava would never reach the surface. My scientific question was how bubbles inside the magma can shrink and grow again. In order to better understand and to better predict volcanic eruptions, it's a very important process to be able to quantify. Ben has come to Hawaii because of its world-famous eruptions. But the lava fields aren't going to give up their secrets without a fight. With miles of blackened flows in every direction, even locating the boiling lava is still far from certain. When I left onto the lava fields with Ken, we had no idea how accessible the lava was. Ben needs this molten rock to see if it really does shrink as it cools, something he's only seen in the lab. Any changes are likely to be due to either the gas changing volume or crystals growing inside the magma. Working out what's going on inside the lava will help Ben understand when a volcano might erupt next. We're just about on top of it, can't quite see it yet. 
As they approach the flowing lava, they discover a magnificent sight. There was about a two-foot, three-foot-wide channel pouring over the cliff. Whoa, <laughs> that is nice. As we came over the, the crest of the, one of the lava flows, you got a beautiful view of the lava dribbling over the edge and, and dripping into the sea. And every time a blob of lava hit the sea, it sent up a little steam plume. Today, many months since it last happened, a lava flow has started to pour over the cliffs and into the ocean. A sea-entry lava flow is without doubt one of the most spectacular sights on Hawaii. The sudden meeting of cool ocean waves and burning molten rock can be explosive. But today, as it's only just begun, it is more predictable making it possible for the scientists to get very close to the action. People have been coming out here for the last almost a year, I think about nine months, without seeing one of these. I have not seen anything like that, nowhere. I was like a kid in a candy shop. Both me and Ken got totally caught up in the spectacle. But the longer the curious scientists remain on the edge of this unstable clifftop, the greater the risks will be. Watch out for this sort of thing right here. The blocks can go tumbling in with you on them. Despite the risks involved, the hypnotic beauty of the lava makes it irresistible to artists as well as scientists. I photograph the active flows. No matter where they are, I hike there. Brian Lowry is a Hawaii-based professional photographer who has devoted his career to capturing and selling stunning shots of molten lava. Originally from Michigan, 52-year-old Brian has been on an extraordinary life journey. Born with severe disabilities, it was thought that Brian would never be able to walk at all let alone hike for hours across treacherous volcanic terrain. When I was born, I was born with club feet, feet kind of almost backwards, wore braces for quite a few years. And, but the funny thing is wearing the braces as a kid, it made my legs really strong. Brian treks out to the lava alone up to 50 times a year. You can come here every day and it's always different i'll be the only one in the world with this shot it's nearly midnight at brian's house he's packing for his next big hike out to the lava flow a unique lava photograph could be worth hundreds even thousands of dollars so he painstakingly prepares for every trip tonight brian will be taking with him english time-lapse photographer jimmy reynolds a first-timer when it comes to lava. It's, it's been a dream of mine to go out there and actually find lava flows to time-lapse. Jimmy is used to capturing the subtle movement of nature in his time-lapse shots. But lava presents a whole new challenge. And Hawaii is the best place in the world to get his camera close to the action. We never know what we're going to see, so we need to get going. This is the end of the road. All right. We're 
the paved road ends abruptly. From now on, they'll be walking on old lava flows. To find the lava by dawn, the best time of day for photography, they'll have to hike all night. They're heading out onto the eastern rift zone on the lower flanks of the Kilauea volcano. The uneven terrain stretches for miles. And with no paths to follow, trekking in the dark here is strewn with hazards. Here we're gonna cross this tumulus, so watch your step. Oh yeah. This is the most common cause of injury out here. People fall in, break their legs, arms, they even get wedged in there and stuck. The wind starts to pick up, and they don't appear to be getting any closer. For a long time, you see nothing. It's dark, and there's a lot of small ridges and valleys you go up and over, and, and the flow itself is completely blocked until you're close to it. So you're just constantly walking, and you're like, two hours go by, and you're like, are we ever going to find the lava? At last, a telltale glow on the horizon tells them that they found what they're looking for. With just half an hour till sunrise, they need to quickly prep their equipment if they're to capture their dawn lava shots. Ooh, can feel the heat. Nice and warm too. Absolutely, you can hear it crackling. But why is lava flowing here on the barren expanse of Kilauea's lower slopes? To understand that, you need to examine the anatomy of this smoldering giant. Kilauea is a shield volcano. Instead of resembling a steep-sided mountain, it is a wide, gently sloped dome shape, the result of thousands of years of lava flows that have built up layer upon layer. Kilauea currently has two main openings known as vents that link to its underground magma chambers. The main vent is at the summit in the Halimaumau crater. But this vast crater is itself encircled by the walls of an even larger one, a caldera three kilometers across. Rather than being the remains of a cataclysmic blast, these calderas are collapsed craters, a feature familiar to any roving volcanologist. Underneath Kilauea volcano, magma exists in, in chambers buried underground. So an explosive crater forms. Um, if you imagine, like, you bury a stick of dynamite in a field, blow it up, it blows a hole out. A collapsed crater forms when magma is withdrawn from underneath it, and then the, the ground falls down to fill that hole. The Hawaiian craters are special because they're almost all substance craters. There's very few explosion craters on Hawaii. So the air escaping out of this beach ball is like the magma leaking sideways inside the volcano or erupting as a lava flow down the flanks of the volcano. As the lava leaves the magma chamber, the ground collapses to fill the space, producing the iconic craters. At, at Kilauea, the magma moved sideways within the volcano and the weight of the rock caused the collapse at the summit. This is just like what you can see up on, um, on Kilauea Summit with steep caldera walls and a relatively flat crater. But Kilauea's activity isn't restricted to Halimaumau. Some of the magma in the vast chambers below the summit is diverted to the East Rift Zone eruption at Pu'uo'o. 
magma flowing from this vent travels through a network of concealed lava tubes down towards the ocean. But not all of it stays underground. The burning lava regularly bursts out of the rock and flows across the lower flanks of Kilauea. And that's just where photographers Jimmy and Brian are setting up their equipment. Hey, this right. is a nice little flow. It's actually turned out to be... Yeah. Working next to this 1,100-degree molten lava is no walk in the park. Jimmy is relying on old hand Brian to keep him safe out here. Obviously, I've never been this close to molten lava with my camera, but I guess... Uh... You can get as close as you can stand the heat. Right. That's, it's basically like a built-in um, safety system there. When we finally arrived at the lava, the light was already starting to come up. Time was running out. Brian's shooting stills. An old hand at this, he knows how to read the lava. And braving the heat, he gets in, just inches from the molten rock. It's such a slow-moving blob. It's really got... It's really interesting because you can get so close and my fingers are getting really hot right now. Were Brian to touch the lava, the 1,100-degree rock would make short work of his bare skin. Jimmy's time-lapse sequences are proving more challenging. They involve capturing hundreds of shots from one position that will be run together to create short videos. But of course, his subject is constantly on the move. You need to be quite close to that lava to get a to get a good shot, and it it it's surprising. It moves up pretty fast. One thing I was able to help Jimmy with is just the whole idea of how the lava acts and where he needs to position himself. With such an unobstructed view, you can actually see uh, the horizon for 360 degrees around you, and you can see when weather's moving in on you. And clearly visible, on its way towards them, is a heavy band of rain. It's starting to rain pretty hard, but when you're by the flow, the rain kind of just evaporates. You're, it's raining hard on you, but you're really not even getting wet. But the rain is reaching Jimmy's lens, ruining his hard work. I've got an um umbrella open and trying to protect my cameras so they don't get wet and I don't have to abandon this time lapse, uh, which would suck because it's taken this long to get here. Jimmy has to keep vigil by his camera as it takes hundreds of shots. But the worsening weather is causing real problems. Pouring with rain now. Luckily, I'm nice and warm because I'm about two meters away from the lava. So he's trying to keep the camera lens clean, has to keep wiping it, has to keep moving back from the lava. I actually got a patch to my right now, which is probably a, a meter and a half away. There's a couple of moments when I had to get Brian on board and help me out. And if the rain wasn't bad enough, the wind is now picking up. With gusts of over 40 kilometers per hour, it's proving difficult to keep the cameras and tripod steady. Any slight movement could ruin Jimmy's time lapse. 
Yeah, I don't think he was ready for that wind. You're out in the wide open, and it could actually accelerate more as it goes through the little gullies and channels out there in the lava flow. You don't ever walk away from your camera. I don't care how low you have your tripod set up, because one gust and your camera's down. The gusts of wind are getting even stronger. Things are looking bleak for Jimmy's efforts to get a perfect lava time lapse. He has just this one opportunity, and you know he may never do this again in his life. There was a moment when I really thought I wasn't gonna wasn't gonna come home with anything. But the lava flows that have captivated Jimmy and Brian are more than an artistic distraction. Over millions of years, these eruptions have created Hawaii, one flow on top of the last. This is quite literally a lava land. The low silica content of Hawaii's magma makes the lava runnier and allows gases to escape more easily. This leads to generally less explosive eruptions, unlike those seen elsewhere in the world. Here on Hawaii, there are two main types of lava flow. Though they're made from the same basalt rock, erupting at different temperatures, they appear very different. RR lava produces thick, chunky walls of uneven rock. Pohoihoi lava gets its name from the swirls of water created by a moving paddle. It spreads and builds up into distinctive billowing sheets of rope-like lava rock. It's fresh-flowing pohoihoi lava that scientists Ben Kennedy and Ken Horn are searching for. Their goal is to perform experiments that will reveal how escaping gas affects the lava's movement. This could even help predict future eruptions. I've come halfway around the planet to look at this lava. But Ben's been sidetracked by the incredible sight of a sea-entry lava flow. Getting lost in the moment could prove fatal. Let's drop our packs here, maybe. There's lots of cracks out here, but cracks parallel to the coastline mean that the blocks can go tumbling in with you on them. Oh, well, watch out for this sort of thing right here. See where the, the block is pulling away from the cliff? Well, and the crack is actually steaming. Do you see that, Ben? Yeah. So that means the hot water is getting in at the bottom and the lava is heating it up. Anytime we come up to these ocean entries, we're real careful to look for cracks where pieces of the cliff might be falling off. These cliffs used to be about another uh, 100 yards out from where they are right now because these cliffs form when lava flows go over and they make the land extend outward. But as soon as the lava is inactive, the cliff starts to retreat or collapse. As you look over the cliff down there, you can see big blocks of rock at the base of the cliffs, and those all came from the cliffs. This continuous cycle of build-up and collapse produces a gradually expanding shelf of submerged rocks around the coastline. As a result, the marine environment around Hawaii is as much a legacy of volcanic activity as the islands themselves. These are the lower slopes of the volcanoes, part of this lava land seen only by those prepared to take the plunge. Native Hawaiian spearfisher Kimi Werner knows the undersea coastlines of these Pacific islands more intimately than anyone. I grew up on the island of Maui and spearfishing was the way that my dad would put food on the table. 
When I was about five years old, he decided it was time for me to start tagging along with him and seeing how it was done. Really, it's about being in the ocean, seeing the beauty of the underwater world, and bringing home food to nourish your friends and family with. Kimmy is going to dive and hunt off the notoriously rough and windy south coast of the Big Island. Today, however, diving conditions are perfect and lava is flowing into the ocean. For the first time ever, she has the chance to fulfill a long-held dream and dive for fish beside an erupting volcano. I thought the waves looked a lot bigger than I expected them to look because the spray seemed to go all the way up the cliff and then it took me a while before I realized that wasn't ocean spray I was looking at. It was smoke and steam from the active lava flow. The spot where lava meets the ocean can be volatile and explosive. Kimmy must approach with caution. I definitely felt nervous. I've never seen that before and I wasn't sure how, how close I should actually get. I kept what I felt was a safe distance where a wave wouldn't be able to pick me up and slam me into the hot lava or the sharp rocks. I definitely felt nervous and as I came closer, I could feel the heat from the lava. The lava continues on its destructive path into the ocean. But once here, it releases important nutrients into the water, allowing marine life to thrive around it. In fact, the building blocks of all life on this planet may owe their very existence to marine volcanic activity. Undeterred by the nearby lava, Kimmy prepares to dive and hunt. I think this looks like a great spot and I think it's a good idea to get in and give it a try. When I first enter the water, I spend time on the surface scouting, but I'm not just scouting, I'm also changing my breath. Kimmy is a free diver. She pushes her body to the limit, descending to depths of over 20 meters for minutes at a time, with just a single gulp of air in her lungs. I just try and become part of the landscape. Kimmy uses animal instincts to fish, crawling almost cat-like across ancient lava boulders on the seabed. I just laid low. I started scratching on the rocks to kind of imitate like a parrotfish feeding and that got their interest and they started to come in and I waited until I saw the one that I wanted and I took that shot. The first fish I shot today is called an Enenui and it's a fish that I grew up eating. The second fish I shot is a goat fish, one of my favorite fish to eat. Kimmy's skills with fish extend to the kitchen. The Ananui, I would like to serve it raw, but mix it in with some chili oil and sesame oil and um, make a nice poke out of it. Poke is a Hawaiian term for just cut up raw fish. The goat fish, I'd like to steam them with some ginger and some fresh local herbs and then pour some sizzling hot peanut oil on it to just infuse it all with some soy sauce. It's one of my favorites. 
when you're able to harvest your own food and share it with those in your community, that's a really good way to live. Like the flow of lava and waves around her, Kimmy moves to the rhythm of nature. Some days the currents are ripping, some days you have waves, some days you have sharks, and some days like today you have lava. Up on the clifftop, the lava is getting closer to scientists Ben and Ken. We've got to really watch ourselves today, particularly upslope of us, because this flow is pretty big, right? And so we don't want to get it circling around behind us. And the other thing we want to watch out for, Ben, is the, the cloud here. Well, it's, it's mostly water. The water is also changing into hydrochloric acid where it hits the lava going into the ocean. Ken was keeping his eye on other lava flows. So the lava flow that we were watching was pouring over, but there, were, there was lava creeping around behind us. Starting to get surrounded, Ken. We had to be very careful to not get cut off and get uh, marooned between two lava flows. Lava right here, just a meter away from me, is popping. And the lava over here is starting to move a bit faster, so... Well, I'm not worried yet, because even though I'm old and fat, I can outrun that lava. <laughs> Ken is an old hand. He's been out to these lava flows hundreds, probably thousands of times, and he was even saying, oh, if the worst comes to the worst, we can always run over that bit after five minutes of cooling. I was not quite so uh, confident of that. OK, Ken, we, uh, we should probably start thinking about moving off soon. We're gradually being pushed away from the heat, and this is the crack in front of us that Ken told us not to go over. We're getting blasted by this guy coming behind us, so our time is kind of over in this area, I think. While Ben and Ken take shelter from the searing heat above ground, there are thousands more cubic meters of glowing red rock moving around just below the surface. This subterranean transport network is made up of lava tubes. Lava tubes form when we have an open channel of lava, and then as it's exposed to the air, it starts to cool from the sides and also kind of from upstream. And so it's kind of like ice forming over a river. This crust forms over the top of the lava and seals it off. Lava tubes allow lava to move much longer distances. If they were in an open channel, they probably wouldn't get more than one to two kilometers away from the vent. But since the channels are crusting over, it retains heat, and so it allows the lava to stay molten and move a great distance from the vent. And at the end of a lava episode, a lot of times those drain and leave a hollow cave that are the kind of lava tubes that most people think of that they go into. Lava tubes are everywhere on the island. These hidden tunnels impact on people's lives in surprising ways. Eight kilometers from Hilo, a team of workers are clearing a two-acre plot for a new house build on the Orchidlands Estates. Sheldon and Bud have been working the land here for decades. Unlike the lava chasers who actively seek out encounters with Kilauea, they cannot escape from the volcano's influence. While driving their 50-ton bulldozer, they must be on a constant lookout for concealed lava tubes. The ground could give way beneath their heavy machine at any moment. What concerns Sheldon is that they are right on the doorstep of the world's longest and deepest lava tube, 
the Kazamura Cavern. We know it's an area where there's a good possibility of, of lava tubes, and so I was uh, I was walking ahead of Bud today just just as a safety uh, to to really make sure that he doesn't fall into anything. Sheldon knows the telltale signs when a dozer is over a lava tube. I've seen trees just start rocking, and I know I'm too close to a tube at that point, and we we'll get off and try and locate it and figure out where it runs so that we don't end up in it. Today it proves to be a good job that Sheldon has got his eyes and ears open. I just happened to notice a small uh, hole. I got Bud's attention by waving at him. There's a there's a really loose spot on the other side here. I, I know you've been over it once, but it looks like it's going to collapse. He could actually feel the ground shaking as well. So we know we were fairly close to it and maybe even over part of the tube. That's opened up into a hole, yeah, and it looks like it goes a long ways down. You look down in here, this goes clear down, see, and it's so intertwined in the, uh, in the brush here that he would never see it from the dozer. Bud knows he's fallen in a hole before, and uh, most guys that have done that won't, won't even doze anymore. 20 years ago, he had a terrifying encounter with a hidden lava tube. I was bulldozing a lot. And the roof of the lava tube, which was about 10 feet thick, and it caved in. And so when it went down, I went vertical, backwards, and I was pretty uh, frightened at the time. And just climbed straight up 30 feet until I got to the blade and pulled my big hunk over the top of the blade and got up on the top of the earth and just yelled, I'm alive! Sheldon doesn't want to see a repeat of Bud's mishap. He knows just what's at stake. It's a real dangerous job. There have been people killed, falling into um, huge tubes. Before they bulldoze another meter, Bud and Sheldon must investigate the cave beneath them. Nearby is an entrance to the vast Kazamura cavern. They need to work out if an offshoot from this super cave extends to the land that they're working on. Let's go for an adventure. All right. Watch your back coming in here. Scrapes your back coming in. We're within a third of a mile of that lava tube, so the, the odds are that, that we are going to find a lava tube on the property we're on. Whether it's big enough for a bulldozer to fall in is a whole other story. Look at the drop off here. No thanks. This vast lava tube formed around 500 years ago and stretches for over 65 kilometers. At its lowest point, it reaches down 1,100 meters, making it the deepest cave in the U.S. The rivers of molten lava that once flowed here have created a cave completely unlike those formed by water. Inside the lava tube is really neat. There's, there's so many different things to see in there. Lava sickles found on the roof of lava tubes resemble small, round-tipped stalactites. But they were formed when drips of molten rock cooled and hardened. 
the walls in most areas are just smooth, shiny black because the the lava, when it went through, the gases were so superheated that it actually acted like a kiln and and turned it to almost glass. Oh, here's, here's a good one. This is uh, ohia tree roots coming right through from above. So you know it's not very deep up here. Oh. Look at all the water dripping off them too. Wow, look at this one. It's actually rooted into the ground again. It goes straight through the tube and back into the... Are we gonna grow a tree in here? I bet that's a healthy tree up above us. You know, every time you, you walk through the lava tube, you're thinking not only what it would be like if you were the bulldozer driver up on top of here, but also I'm thinking, what if there's a bulldozer driver up on top of here right now? So does this make you nervous down here at all? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> does it? Yes. <laughs> Sheldon and Bud are concerned that smaller tubes leading from the main artery of the Casimura Cave may reach the land they're working on. And look up here, there's a little tube that goes off to the side and comes back in. It's just what they didn't want to find, a small tunnel heading straight for the dozer. A lot of these tubes have uh, branches that go off, and so you can you could be over a smaller portion of it for a while and not even realize it. I wouldn't want to drive your dozer over this. Back at the plot, the only thing the guys can do is maneuver their heavy machinery around the soft patch of land. We'll need to now get a hold of the property owner and check with them and see what it is they want to do with it. But at this point, we're not going to go over the top of it. Sheldon and Bud must continue, working around these hazardous traces of past eruptions. This lava is at the very core of Hawaii. And while Bud and Sheldon are only too keen to avoid its hazards, geologists are rushing from around the world to the glow of its flame. Volcanologist Ben Kennedy's come all the way from New Zealand for this one moment. He needs to collect a spadeful of the 1,100-degree lava and get it in front of his camera before it cools. Once you've isolated a blob of magma, you know that no more magma can enter in and you know that the magma can't drain out anywhere. Observing how the isolated sample reacts will help Ben unlock secrets about how all the volcano's lava behaves. Okay, so we got lots of lava, that's the good news. The bad news is it's kind of in the middle of the flow, so it's gonna be a little warm. The radiant heat like the kind of heat we get from the sun comes off the lava too and it's so intense that you actually get burned and even through your gloves and your pants and your shirt. But luckily Ken had a large silver heat resistant suit that allows you to get very close to the magma. Shielded from the heat by Ken's fire resistant suit, Ben approaches the lava with a steel shovel. Harder than it looks, isn't it? We had to abandon the first plan with lifting the crust because we couldn't get the spade into the into the sticky magma enough. Minutes after we failed 
fresh outbreak of lava came within meters of us. All right. Okay. Take it slow. He was trying to get a shovel of completely liquid material, so he had to spend some time right there. And anytime you spend time that close to a fairly big open channel of lava, it gets very, very hot. And if you get hot and you get anxious, then that's when injuries happen. Okay, we got it. Okay, turn it around. Coming around. You see where you're going? Coming right down here. Right there. So there was a little bit of trial and error involved with our sampling technique. I'm inside the silver suit, so you can't see very much. And you've got to be reaching over very hot lava in order to, to grab it. And you can feel the backs of your hands burning. Um, so you've got to move pretty quickly, get the spade in deep. Then it's actually quite difficult to lift the spade out, to got safely it? turn around without setting Ken on fire behind me and getting it back to the, the camera position where we wanted to film it. Is that the right spot there? Yeah. While they struggle to get lava samples in front of their camera, a couple of kilometers inland, the photographers are now settling into their lava shoot. The weather has improved and the daylight has revealed an amazing otherworldly landscape that owes its unique shape to the lava that created it. The movement of the Pahoyhoy lava is constant but unpredictable. As one front cools and crusts over, a new molten toe will break out somewhere else and grow for a few minutes until it too will cool and harden. Repeating this irregular pattern of movement, Pahoyhoy lava inches gracefully across the landscape. Just when you think you know what a flow is going to do, you hear this big crack and a whole new section of rock will lift up. And you can learn to read it after a while. You pick up on it pretty easily. Even though this lava just flowed not too long ago before we got here, it is pretty hot, but you can walk on this. Okay. See the lava... The With molten lava still flowing under a few centimeters of rock, Jimmy has to trust Brian's vast experience that the crust will hold their weight. You could see molten lava just just inches away in the cracks. You can already smell your shoes melting a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I can you smell can, them. I can smell burnt rubber for yeah, sure. That's your shoes, a little Jesus. bit of rubber burning off. Jimmy's very first experience of lava has proved to be a tough but rewarding assignment. It was definitely challenging. I managed to get something that I was happy with. His time-lapse images, when run together, perfectly revealed the extraordinary sight of advancing lava. As Brian and Jimmy head home with their successful lava shots, Ben and Ken are still struggling with the raging heat of the flows. Back up one more step, okay. It was very difficult setting the spade down carefully in a position where it was completely stable and we could get time-lapse footage to see if the lava was shrinking. So we tried three or four times. Okay. When we got the last shot, I got to see the video and there it was, clear as day, the surface of the lava deflating and I was like, yes. <laughs> Ben is now certain that trap gases are driving this lava collapse. 
nailing down its importance in moving entire mountains will be vital to predicting future eruptions. Below the ocean waves, thrill-seeking divers Shane and Bud are having a very different encounter with molten rock. I don't care what kind of diving you've done in the past, this is a, a bit of an extreme dive. This is perhaps the ultimate close lava encounter, and there's no doubt these men are putting their lives at risk. It's one of those things you'll never forget. Um, you don't come out the same. But of this extreme pair, it's Bud who takes things the furthest. From being on land, we'd poke sticks in it, so I naturally would poke my spear into it underwater. From there, it just kind of graduated into uh, sticking more things into it. Expert diver Bud wasn't content with just risking his life being near the 1,100-degree erupting lava. He wanted to reach out and touch it. After a couple times of burning my hands with just the regular fishing gloves, got some welding gloves, then I could grab the stuff. I would bring it out and move it around and make crazy shapes with it. There's been a few times where the hot water or steam coming out would kind of burn through the gloves that I had on. And yeah, you let go in a hurry. Basically, you have a very unsafe feeling getting that close, but when the adrenaline is flowing, you know, you do kind of crazy things. Looking back, you know, we're thankful to be alive. Every time I get to see it, it's just one of those things that you know you're kind of cheating the hangman. Hawaii is the greatest place in the world to see lava, quite literally, at touching distance. It's this living laboratory, this huge living laboratory. I've not seen anything like that, nowhere. You know, you're getting to see the show that nobody gets to see. It just really shows Mother Nature at her finest. A lot of my friends, they kind of think I'm crazy what I do. I don't know, I just love it. It's just great. For as long as the volcanoes remain active on these islands, there will be people fascinated by them, prepared to put themselves at risk to get that special close-up lava encounter.